China Eastern Airlines resumes flying the type of Boeing jet that crashed after earlier grounding more than 200 of the 737-800 planes. And I'll talk with Crane's commercial real estate reporter Danny Ecker about big changes proposed for the Illinois Medical District. The Illinois Medical District has never been a place that people want to live and work. I mean, there's, there's 80,000 people there every day, these hospital systems and other outpatient facilities there, but it's not a destination. It's a campus that just has these siloed institutions there. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Tuesday, April 19th. When it comes to a professional like your doctor or lawyer, you want someone who knows you well. Wintrust believes you should have the same relationship with your banker, someone you can call directly and know they'll understand your concerns. Thousands of local business owners called their Wintrust banker when they needed Paycheck Protection Program loans. They called, Wintrust answered, and helped more than 11,000 local businesses secure funding. Learn more at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. I'm joined by Cranes reporter Danny Ecker here to talk about winds of change that are happening at the Illinois Medical District. Tell me what's going on. The, the Illinois Medical District, as many people know it, it's, it's uh Maybe you'll probably know it for its its L stop on the blue line. It's this 560 acre swath of the near west side, just south of the Eisenhower, that goes past Roosevelt, stretches all the way almost to Pilsen, and it is anchored by these you know massive hospital these institutions. You have Cook County Health there, Rush University, of course, is probably the one many people recognize. You know, you have the, the VA hospital and you have UIC, UI Health and the UIC medical campus is all right there. So it's this cluster of healthcare, And the, the district itself was actually chartered 81 years ago by the state to be a hub of healthcare, you know, of research and healthcare uses. So fast forward to today where, you know, as COVID starts to recede, at least in terms of its economic effects, there's a lot of, in the real estate world, a lot of uh, momentum right now for clinical space, medical space, medical office space, labs for life sciences research, the things that the IMD really was meant to host. However, we're seeing a lot of the investment in labs and other things like that that's actually going into other parts of town, areas like Fulton Market and to Lincoln Yards and to the former Michael Reese Hospital site instead of this area that is really meant to be the cluster for this. So the question is why? And the big part of the reason is that the Illinois Medical District has never been a place that people want to live and work. I mean, there's, there's 80,000 people there every day, these hospital systems and other outpatient facilities there, but it's not a destination. It's a campus that just has these siloed institutions there. So there's a new CEO of the Illinois Medical District Commission. Her name is Allison Hansen. She just took over in December. She's a veteran healthcare system executive. And among her jobs is to try to change that, really, to, to basically seize this moment for the IMD to foster more collaboration among these institutions and make it so that there's encourage developers to start to add other mixed uses things more we need their need they need apartment buildings they need restaurants they need retail they need things that will make it a place where companies will want to be 
that's a pretty tall task for the IMD and for uh, Allison as she's taken over here. So for this story, I was talking to her about, well, how, how do you do this? How, where do you start to try to, you know, take what is really, you know, meant to be this great hub of healthcare and make it a place where people want to be? And it's pretty basic stuff that she's starting with. It, you know, one is she needs to make it safer. They need more lighting. They need more uh, access to security, camera footage, things like that, because it, it's certainly, it's kind of on the edge there of people, of area, an area where people uh, historically have not felt safe going out. And so she's looking to take advantage of that. She's trying to just get hospitals themselves to work together to maybe co-anchor buildings and, and work together to develop buildings potentially, which is also not easy. So there's a lot of work to be done here, but there's this generally a, a moment here for the IMD to take advantage of. And the question is, can it? And what are the zoning implications? Do, do, does anything need to shift there in terms of getting houses and restaurants and all that kind of stuff into that area? Well, so the IMD oversees zoning for this district. So in other words, if you want to build something in the Illinois Medical District, the IMD has to approve it. And one change actually that just happened was that city council back in October made the first change in about 25 years to the plan development, basically the zoning rules that govern the IMD that allowed for more dense development, allowed for more multifamily, this residential component to come in. So, you know, the city's trying to help and the IMD is trying to portray itself as this conduit for new types of development coming in there as opposed to, hey, we are the authority that oversees. I mean, the point of the IMD commission overall was to say, hey, let's have some intentionality to the development that happens here so we don't end up with a bunch of hospital systems that just get closed in by a bunch of other development that isn't really conducive to healthcare. So it's it's how do they balance, you know, the need for these hospitals to expand with healthcare related uses, but also non-medical type of development. And they're going to look at opportunities to take advantage of that. And, and I just think, I think they're making sure that zoning is not going to be in the way. And then what about funding? That seems like even just starting with the basic stuff like lighting and building a sense of safety, there's a price tag to all of that, much less a lot of stuff beyond that. Where's that coming from? So the IMD itself has its own budget. It actually owns a lot of land and several of the properties within the IMD. So it's a landlord and it collects rent from some of the tenants there. So it's, it's not necessarily in a position to deploy a lot of cash to invest in these things like lighting and security and things like that. But, you know, it's in the interest of these big hospital systems that are in the IMD to improve this campus, to make it more attractive. Can she get a bit of a pooling of resources to be able to make this function like a campus where you don't have, well, UI Health has its, you know, transportation system that it, you know, it shuttles that go around and Rush has its own. Can they make it function like one single campus? That's going to require more of the financing of these hospital systems as opposed to the IMD itself. So there's a delicate thing that has to be done here where Allison is trying to, you know, make sure she can match up different executives at these different hospital systems to say, hey, you guys have the same interest, even though you have different financial priorities and certainly different real estate priorities of what you need, there are opportunities to collaborate and to pool resources to make things like this better and to improve signage and to 
you know, add amenities, things like more green space, improving green space, bike trails, things that, you know, make it so that people, students, faculty, businesses will want to say, hey, this is a place where I want to go. And after work, I want to go hang out. And then beyond kind of meeting those basic things for the area, what is the broader vision for attracting development and what's kind of the pie in the sky in terms of what they want to build there? Well, I think, you know, they're trying to take advantage also of some of the development that's happening around the IMD. I mean, that's the other piece of this too is, you know, this location is interesting because on one side of the IMD, you have Fulton Market and the West Loop that are creeping with new development toward the IMD. You have the United Center immediately north of there where there's been new development. And you've got Pilsen to the south, which has been one of the hottest uh, sub-markets of the city. You have the Chicago Fire proposing to build this $90 million training complex just outside the IMD along its southeast corner. And then you've got Cinespace, which has also been growing quickly, just a few blocks down Ogden. So there's all this development happening around there that sort of is in position to make it a place where developers want to be. And I think they want to just sort of attach themselves, anchor themselves to all this stuff that's happening and say, hey, look at what's happening here around us. And can we translate that into more development and more importantly, more jobs? Because also, if you look a little bit further west of the IMD, you have neighborhoods that have seen some historical disinvestment, you know, areas like Garfield Park and North Lawndale, where, you know, the IMD is really taking it upon itself to try to be this link between some of the development happening in the West Loop and the near West Side, where there hasn't been as much investment. And to say, hey, we can create a lot of jobs in healthcare that can go to people who live in these neighborhoods that will have great access to physical jobs that are right here, you know? And so, I think that's what they're hoping over the next, call it three, five, seven years, will start to come to fruition. There's two apartment buildings under construction now in the IMD. They're hoping that there will be more people who want to live here and then therefore there will be more density of people and that will bring other retail development and hotels, things like that. And so that the idea would be that this would be a link between, you know, again, the West Loop and, and the near West Side. So that that's kind of their their broader vision for the, the future of the IMD. That's a really good point about all the considerations of the adjacent neighborhoods. I think that's an important detail to kind of pull in here. Yeah. And that's, I mean, again, certainly something that I think Allison is looking to take advantage of when you have the city, at least through Mayor Lightfoot, making that a priority, you know, and thinking about the Invest Southwest initiative and opportunities to encourage developers to invest in commercial corridors where they historically haven't, you know, the IMD is this massive one that already had, you don't have to worry about people coming there. There are people there every day. And uh, it's just about kind of adding the non-medical stuff. That's, that's something that I think will make this more of a gravitational center of, of Chicago's life sciences community. And that just, that, that means a lot of jobs. And when you have you know, the proximity to some of those neighborhoods, there's just great opportunity there. And what was the number you said at the top of how many people are in that area every day to work? Yeah. So there's a 2013 study that the IMD commissioned that said there are about 80,000 people there a day. So that includes, you know, students, people who work there, patients, people visiting patients. So there's, that's kind of all in. 
and that was in 2013. So I, I you know, it could conceivably could be more than that today, but that kind of density, you know, people in real estate are looking for anywhere where people have to be physically, you know, and they can't substitute with a virtual experience. And that's what the IMD offers. So again, that's why they're, there's just, they're poised for a really big opportunity here. If they can make the IMD look a little bit more like Fulton market, you know, and everything that has there, you might find some more success. I think every neighborhood is trying to, <laughs> hoping they could be a little bit more like Fulton Market, indeed. Yeah. So what will you be watching for next? Well, I know there is um, another apartment development that is supposed to get underway later this year from John Murphy. He's a Chicago developer that many people know, and, and he maybe had the most impactful project within the IMD in the last few years because he took the old Cook County Hospital and turned it into a hotel uh, with a food hall on the ground floor. You know, that was a building that was really a, an eyesore for the IMD overall and is now this really, you know, sort of a, a central place where people can go to get some lunch and you have a lot of people staying there. So Murphy is planning to do a, a, an apartment project that's just south of there. So that would be another apartment building. So we're talking about over a thousand apartment units coming there now uh, that are going to either either under construction or soon to be. Um, so I'm just watching to see what else starts to come there. I mean, I think these developers are really interested to see what kind of rents they can really generate and can they prove that this is a good investment where other developers will follow. And if they can, we're going to start to see more of that. And then, you know, will there be, especially on the Southern portion of the IMD where there's a lot of vacant land, will we start to see more development there and people making long-term bets on, on the IMD? So, you know, there, there are projects that are, are ready to be drawn up for some of these sites and everyone's just kind of watching to see, can they get financing and they can, can they get underway? Well, I'm sure we will be checking in about this area many times in the future. Thanks so much, Danny. Absolutely. Thanks, Amy. Coming up, the CEO of electric vehicle startup Rivian told Crane's sister publication Automotive News its temporary parts shortage won't affect the company's future. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Crane's Chicago business is pleased to welcome U.S. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg on Thursday, May 12th, for a special event discussing infrastructure insights. Political columnist Greg Hines will sit down with Secretary Buttigieg to discuss the impact of last fall's historic infrastructure bill and potential for projects throughout Chicago. Tickets are selling quickly, so be sure to reserve your seats now. Registration is open at chicagobusiness.com events. You're listening to Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. Bloomberg reported that China Eastern Airlines has resumed flights with the same type of plane that recently crashed in southern China. A 737-800 jet flew in the country on Sunday, according to FlightRadar24.com. Other planes of the same model, made by Boeing, have been used in what appeared to be test flights. The official Xinhua News Agency reported Monday that the airline has returned the 737-800 to commercial service, but didn't say how it got that information. China Eastern Airlines grounded more than 200 of the Boeing 737-800 planes after the crash in Wuzhou on March 21st that killed all 132 people on board. Investigators retrieved the two flight data recorders from the crash site, one that recorded voices in the cockpit and another that captured flight data, and sent both to the U.S. with hope that information on the devices will help solve the mystery of what happened to the plane. 
A preliminary report is expected to be produced this week as required by United Nations standards governing the aviation industry. The report isn't expected to include any conclusions as to the cause of the crash, but a full report is expected within 12 months. A local development group is planning a 21-story apartment tower a block east of the Mag Mile, the first rental project in the Streeterville neighborhood in several years. Crane's Albie Galoon reported that a joint venture led by Chicago-based Maverick Development wants to build the 248-unit high-rise at the northeast corner of East Grand and North St. Clair. That according to a statement from the venture. Apartment construction downtown has rebounded over the past year as rents and occupancies have recovered from steep declines in the early months of the pandemic. But as Galoon noted in his reporting, most of the action these days is in the West Loop, especially the Fulton Market District. Streeterville, though a hot spot for apartment development in the last decade, has been quiet for the past few years, with the most recently completed project opening in 2019. Maverick aims to break ground on its development by the end of the year, putting it on track for an early 2024 completion date. Alderman Brendan Riley, who represents the area, wrote in a newsletter to constituents that the developers don't need the city council's approval for their proposal because their project is already allowed under current zoning for the property. But they do still need to secure equity financing and a construction loan for the development. Cisco Systems Incorporated is shifting part of its workers' pay out of bonuses and into their base salary in response to concerns about soaring inflation. The biggest maker of computer networking equipment will rework compensation packages at the start of its new fiscal year in August. That according to executive Fran Katsudis. The company said the decision came after they surveyed workers to find out what mattered most to them regarding their paychecks. The company is also reportedly experimenting with a four-day work week and aims to reduce its real estate footprint by as much as 30 percent by closing some older offices and creating new collaboration hubs in New York, Atlanta, and other cities. Cisco's move comes as inflation continues to take a big bite out of household budgets. U.S. consumer prices rose in March by the most since late 1981, and Americans are paying much more for gas, food, and rent. Bloomberg noted that wages have also risen, but they're not keeping up with inflation, and that's prompted millions of people to change jobs for the promise of higher pay, a trend that Cisco says they hope to ward off by adjusting salaries and bonus pay. Cisco's shares are down nearly 20% this year, part of a broader sell-off of tech stocks. Rivian Automotive's factory in downstate Normal could produce far more R1T pickups, R1S SUVs, and Amazon delivery vans, except for the shortage of a few key parts. But the company's CEO told Crane's sister publication Automotive News that that doesn't threaten the electric vehicle startup's future. Rivian estimates it will make about 25,000 vehicles this year, about half of what it could produce with adequate parts supply. At full production, the factory has the capacity to build 150,000 vehicles per year. The CEO said, quote, there's a tremendous amount of focus on the short term, but I didn't start Rivian, only focused on next week. The number of parts holding up the production line is relatively small, he said, but there have been surprise complications, such as the war in Ukraine. Semiconductor chips are in short supply across the industry, and a labor shortage in Mexico has reduced availability of wiring harnesses.
Rivian reported first quarter production of just over 2,500 vehicles. The automaker said in March it had 83,000 reservations for the R1T and R1S models, in addition to Amazon's initial order for 100,000 vans. As of March 31st, Rivian said it had made just under 3,600 vehicles since the factory opened in September. And while parts scarcity has forced Rivian to be hyper-focused on short-term supply chain issues, that hasn't stopped the startup from moving forward on plans for a second factory near Atlanta and expanding vehicle features, including new motor and battery configurations. That's Crane's Daily Gist for now. Check in on our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to today's guest, Crane's commercial real estate reporter, Danny Ecker. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review Crane's Daily Gist. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.